Hey, this is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com or FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch With Jen and Friends. If Watch With Jen is the studio track, this is the acoustic version. Today's guest is Raquel Stetcher. Classic movie lover and film enthusiast, Raquel Stetcher has been blogging about old movies on her well-respected site, Out of the Past, since 2007. Known for her popular classic film book-themed Summer Reading Challenge contest, Stetcher has since branched out to write about all types of movies on her now two-year-old blog, Kel Movies, which covers indie, foreign, documentary, and LGBTQ film. A contributor to the Turner Classic Movies, DVD Netflix, and the Film Detective website. When she isn't writing articles or attending film festivals, you can usually find Raquel uploading classic film-related videos to her YouTube channel or mailing DVD copies of her favorite movie, Bachelor Mother, to her friends as part of her own goodwill mission to spread the love of the adorable Ginger Rogers movie to others. I am really looking forward to chatting with her today, so welcome Raquel to Watch with Jen and Friends. I want to thank you so much for doing this, by the way. I've been really looking forward to talking with you. Thank you. I'm excited. Great. Well, Raquel, how are you doing and how are you adapting to pandemic life? So I'm doing well. Um, It's interesting that with the pandemic, a lot of people find that they have more time on their hands. I actually find I have less time on my hands. I'm still (laughs) working full time from home and then... Every um, moment of free time I have, I'm researching or watching movies for um, articles I'm working on or reviews. I'm in the midst of my summer reading challenge. So I've been filling my time up with lots of things to do. And I wish I had, you know, like the time off that my husband had. He's had four months off and he can do whatever he'd like. And I and I just dream of all those things that I could do. I could watch you know, Criterion Channel all day. I can read the stack of books that are waiting for me. So I'm very envious of those people who have all that extra time during the pandemic. I know very much. Well, I was going to ask you that because you do run two blogs, a YouTube channel, you guest on podcasts and write a number of freelance pieces for other sites. So what is your secret? How are you so amazingly prolific? (laughs) I think... I think I get it from my parents. They had a really strong work ethic that they taught me growing up. My mom had this rule about always start, uh, oh, sorry, always finish what you started. So um, I'm very much like I see things through. I don't start something and then abandon it. So that's one thing. And then she also said, don't tell anybody you're doing something until you've done it. And that's another thing, too, because um, you could lose a lot of trust in people saying, I'm going to do this fabulous thing. And then you don't follow through on the other end. And that is just not that's not good whatsoever. So I learned those two things. And then I just keep a spreadsheet on Google Drive. I love Google Drive. Uh Keep a spreadsheet of all the projects that I'm working on with due dates. And then I, I keep track of all my accomplishments, which actually is really great because that encourages me like, wow, I had this on my to-do list. Now it's done and I have proof <laughs> of the work. And that really encourages me to do more work. 
So oh, that's cool. great. And then just promoting everything that I'm working on makes me feel really good. Like it feels like I'm, I'm, you know, accomplishing something and I get a high off of that, which keeps me going. <laughs> good. No, that's, that's a lot of really good advice. One question I've always wanted to ask you is how you first became interested in film, especially writing about film. So in film in general, I was a kid who loved TV and books, and I didn't really get into movies until I was a teenager. And I that was the time when all those amazing like period pieces were coming out in the 90s. Yes. Um, you know, the Merchant and Ivory films and all the adaptations of like Jane Austen novels and Henry James novels. I was watching so many great ones. And I was thinking about that today that I really got into films because um, of those period pieces that or even just films of the of the mid 90s that showed women um, struggling with finding um, their agency. And it, a lot of these a lot of these films dealt with female empowerment or oppression yeah. of women. And then they kind of had this breakthrough moment um, where they try to find their power. And I was really inspired by that, like films. Even even like dating back to my childhood, like films like The Little Mermaid or you know, once I was a teenager, films like um, The Portrait of a Lady or Little Women or um, even the film with Sandra Bullock, The Net. You know, she's yeah. like this computer whiz who um, finds this kind of secret underground world of hackers and they try to destroy her. And she basically out outwits them, you know, because she's so smart at computers and she gets her <laughs> moment. I was just so inspired by those types of stories. And I loved books and classic literature. So I was devouring anything I would go I would like, um, you know, read Sense and Sensibility and then go watch the movie at the theater, you know? Um, yeah, I, I remember when Washington Square, this is kind of more an obscure film, um, Washington Great Square, uh, yes, with, and, and those who love classic movies will know the other adaptation, The Heiress, uh -huh. that came out with Olivia de Havilland and Montgomery Cliff. But this one was a film with um, Jennifer Jason Lee and Albert Finney in um, the mid-90s. The first time I ever drove to the city... Um, I was still getting my, I was still with my learner's permit. I drove my mom and I in a big red pickup truck all the way like into Cambridge, just outside of Boston to go see this movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's how dedicated I was. Um, and it was, it was very scary experience, but it was worth it to go see the one theater in my area that was showing this one film. So yeah. I, I basically cut my teeth on uh, those, er, those like that, kind of golden age of period pieces in the 90s and then all these great stories about women um you know like female empowerment stories even if they were female empowerment in sort of like a more subtle way I was really drawn to those stories and then in college that's when I saw out of the past from 1947 for the first time it was in um um, I took a film course just for fun at Northeastern where I, where I was going for my undergrad. And I was like, what is this movie? This is fantastic. I didn't know <laughs> this could be like this. And I um, had seen The Quiet Man um, in an Irish literature and culture class. And I was like, oh, if, if classic movies are like this, I don't want to watch them. Because I, I felt the movie was a little sexist. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I know everyone loves that movie, but it does, you know, it, it yeah. can be a little problematic. Yeah. But then I watched Out of the Past and I thought, oh, my goodness, this movie is 
this movie is amazing. All these actors are absolutely wonderful. I'm not really sure what's going on in the story, so I want to watch it 10 more times. Um, and I didn't realize that classic movies could be, you know, mysterious and complicated and sexy. And I just, I, I, I made me fall in love and with classic movies. And then I just went on a journey of just educating myself on old movies through like Turner classic movies and and stuff like that and this is kind of a roundabout way to get to my blog but it got to a point where I love classic movies so much and I was devouring them at a at a, like a furious pace and I didn't have anyone to talk to about it I had my one co-worker Frank who's a good friend of mine he's the only one I will actually share my collection of DVD and Blu-rays with because I can trust <laughs> him to return uh-huh. <laughs> my films um and vice versa I return stuff back to him but it ended up being that I would corner him like on a daily basis to talk about classic movies. And I said to myself, okay, I have to get these, I have to get my thoughts down. So I decided to start a blog just so I had an avenue to like basically share this passion because I couldn't keep it bottled up. So that, that was, that was, that's the um, impetus for me starting that. And I still can't shut up about classic movies. So it's been good. <laughs> oh no, I, I love that answer. And I think you made a lot of really good points it was an interesting time I think even with the period adaptations in Little Women there were some feminist messages they were weaved throughout the film and I think they did make a really big impact on us growing up at that time and your story about reading Sense and Sensibility brought back the exact same memory I read the book and it was like the day I was going to see the movie is when I finished it and it was just so exciting to be able to go watch the watch the film of the movie or the film of the book that I just read. So I love those stories for sure. I, I did that so many times. I read Washington Square in one day and the following day I drove to the city to go watch it. I read Portrait of a Lady uh-huh. um, to go see that at the theater. The Talented Mr. Ripley. I read that before I saw it. Um, and even like The Virgin Suicides, I loved that novel. And oh, then yeah. I went to go see it, um, see it. And Sofia Coppola, like she surprised me with what she could do with that book because I, I thought reading it, this novel is amazing. How are they going to make it into a movie? <laughs> and she did. She took her own approach to it. And it's just a beautiful, haunting film. So, yeah, I did that a lot, too. Read the book. Go watch the movie. <laughs> Yes, in that order, that's the best way to do exactly. it, I think exactly. so. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, you are famous for your summer reading challenge of classic film books. So Thank what you. are you reading this summer, and can you recommend some good classic movie books that people should check out? Um, so I I host a summer reading challenge every year, and I have since 2013, where um, it actually came about through a conversation with a friend who said, yeah, I buy a lot of classic film books, but I have literally no time to read them. And I thought, yes, you do. You have to make the time. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought, well, wouldn't it be good during the summer months um, or winter if you're on the Southern Hemisphere, um, you know, maybe maybe during the summer, you know, when we're traveling or we have some extra time that, you know, just, you just challenge yourself to six books. That's two a month. Um, but I stretch it out a little more. I start the challenge in mid-May and then I go into mid-September. So you have a little mm. extra time. 
Um, so I challenge people just to read six classic film books over the summer. And it's been really great. I love seeing what um, what people read. Um, and the, the part of the challenge is they have to read it and review it online. And if you complete all six, you get entered into a giveaway. Um, and if you don't read all six, that's fine. As long as you challenge yourself to read something, even if it's just one yeah. book. Um, so that's fun. And, um, I myself sometimes hasn't, haven't even finished the challenge, you know, like sometimes I only read <laughs> four books. Um, yeah. but this year I'm hopeful I've, um, I'm on my second book, so I'm a little behind, but, um, I'm hopeful I'll finish. But I read this summer, I read Phantom Lady, which is this wonderful biography by Christina Lane about, um, Joan Harrison, who started off her career as the secretary and assistant to Alfred Hitchcock, and then she blossomed into this like amazing screenwriter and producer. Um, and she like branched off from working for Hitchcock, and she just became like this powerhouse in Hollywood and in television. So that was fascinating and also very empowering to read her story. Um, and right now, I'm reading. Um, I'm reading The Lives of Robert Ryan, uh, which is a fantastic biography on um, on the actor Robert Ryan, who's one of my favorites. And that's a that's a book that I've been putting off reading because I just didn't have like the time. I had so many other things. And this this year I was like, okay, I'm definitely going to read this for my challenge because he's one of my favorite actors. The Setup from 1949, one of my favorite. favorite oh, great movies. movie. Yeah. So that that I mean, that's a really fantastic um book but there's like I have so many recommendations actually when I finish this one this will be my hundredth book review for out of the past which is kind of my wow, book. <laughs> wow. Um, but congratulations to, oh thank you um but if I had to recommend just one biography to read like the best one I've read ever is the Andavoric biography by Christina Rice it's just absolutely amazing she did she did so much research on um, on Andrew Warwick, who, which was not easy to do. There wasn't a lot. So she really had to do some digging. And you can tell in the book that this was a, um, a passion project, you know, mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of love and attention and detail put into the book. And you could tell where the author is just trying to like, really trying to dig for the story that's really hard to find and it's almost like a treasure hunt as you're reading the book like you're following her journey researching it's really amazing it's it's one of the best um books i've ever i've ever read on a classic film star so that's one i recommend it's called Anne Dvorak Hollywood's Forgotten Rebel Ooh, I will have to check that one out Definitely. Well, I was going to ask you, because you've been blogging since 2007, that's around the time I started mine as well. So we are longtime bloggers, for sure. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. Have you considered taking your vast film knowledge and turning it into a book? Oh, yes. I'm actually, I work in the book business. Oh, you Um, do? I do. I've actually worked in the book business since, uh, this is funny, since You've Got Mail came out. <laughs> oh, cool. That, I love I, that movie. <laughs> I know. That, movie's, that movie actually really changed my life because I watched it and I thought, I really want to work in the book industry. So I started in that same year that that came out as a um, bookseller at Barnes & Noble. And then I eventually um, worked, uh, uh, tr- uh, 
I eventually got my English degree from Northeastern, and then I got a uh, master's in publishing at Emerson, and then I've been working in the book industry pretty much ever since. I've never worked elsewhere. <laughs> oh wow! So. Um, so yeah, that's been that's been a huge part of my journey. But it's it's funny because I've been in the book industry so long, and I review other people's books, and I champion other people's books. But I've never actually written a book myself. But that's uh -huh. something I hope that I'll be able to do. I think I'll, I would have to take some time off. Maybe yeah. if I could take like a few months off to really do a deep dive, because I mean I don't know how many people really truly understand a nonfiction book, um, a biography, a genre book anything like that it takes lots and lots of research and lots of work so yeah but hopefully one day I'll do that and that'll be really exciting yeah do you have any idea what you'd want to write about um <laughs> I would love to write a biography on Susan Peters but I worry that that would be very difficult and I wouldn't find oh. much information but I was going I to say yeah I think that might be a little scarce but it would be cool it would be cool, but it would be also very niche. Like, I don't know how many people would actually That's buy that true. book. <laughs> Maybe an ebook one day would be cool. But um, I think any, I would love to do something about um, the personal lives of stars, like um, their hobbies or their passions outside of, um, outside of acting. Like I, I had written two articles recently, one on Edward G. Robinson, who was a big collector of art. Um, and then um, on Tony Curtis, who actually was a painter on the side. So know, that was a great piece. Oh, thank you. Yes. <laughs> I'm fascinated by that, by like the second lives that these actors have. So I think that could be really cool. It's always interesting to me to see like what they might have gone into had they yeah. not pursued acting so I think that would be fascinating like Gina well, La Brigida before she didn't even want to become an actress she was like a sculptor and really? she was going to be an artist and then someone was like oh no you have like a face and a body for movies we need to make you into an actress <laughs> she was like okay <laughs> that is funny yeah well I had read totally not classic film but you just made me think about it was Dolph Lundgren was going to, if I remember correctly, like MIT. Yes, I did. I did yeah. think about that. And it's like, you know, he would have maybe been breaking ground in science, chemistry, that kind of thing. But, you know, Rocky Four, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> or even like in that film, they're, they're testing, it was like scientists testing out like how to um, maximize like an athlete's potential. Like, you remember yeah. how they were doing all those tests on him? Um, they had him, like, wired up, and they were, like, testing like, the <laughs> velocity of his punch. Maybe he would have been on the other side of that. <laughs> yeah. Going, you know, this isn't exactly how you do it. No, just kidding. But, <laughs> well, I'm a huge fan of Bachelor Mother as well. I actually recommended it on my podcast early on. So I love your enthusiasm for the film. For those listening who may be unfamiliar with it, can you sell the world, Raquel, on Bachelor Mother and why you think it's the best? Well, Bachelor Mother is my favorite film of all time. It's just a very sweet, charming film with a lot of heart. Yes. It came out in 1939 and um, released by RKO. It stars Ginger Rogers as a shop girl working at a department store. And she's working there during the holiday season. And she just got the pink slip saying that they don't need her after Christmas. 
And then she's, you know, on a walk in New York City and she finds this baby on the step of a foundling home and she picks it up and she brings it into the home and everyone thinks it's her child, but she can't convince anybody that it's not. And they make an agreement with David Niven um, to have her keep her job if she'll keep the baby, but it's not her baby. <laughs> so the whole conceit <laughs> is her trying to convince people that it's not her baby, Um but no one believing her. And then she and David Niven have this really sweet romance. And there's these great um, uh, New Year's scenes, which I live oh, for. I there's a whole those. makeover. There's, there's, and for any Ginger Rogers fans, there's dancing in it. She has two dance sequences. So you get that. And it's just <laughs> like, it's, it's my favorite film just because it's a comfort film. I just watch it when I'm down. I even watch it when I'm happy and I just want to be happier. I mean, it's just... It's endlessly watchable. It's funny. It's sweet. I, I, I don't know very many people who don't like it. Um, yes. And even if, like, I a friend of mine, Nikki, said she didn't care for it the first time, then she watched it again and liked it. So I feel like people can be convert, converted over if they're not sold the first time. Yeah. What are some of your other favorite movies? Um, oh, I have so many. I um, know. It's a tough question. <laughs> So many. Um, well, for classics, I really love films like Ocean's Eleven, the original from 1960. I quote ah. that film all the time. It's one of my absolute favorites. It's one that my <laughs> husband introduced me to. Oh, cool. um, I love Robert Mitchum films, Night of the Hunter, Friends of Eddie Coyle, River of No Return, one of my favorites of all time. And I don't even like Westerns, and I love that movie. Um, I mentioned the setup from 1949, the boxing movie. I love that movie. Um, and then like some more contemporary films, like, uh, I had, uh, I just watched one of my absolute new to me favorites. It's the portrait of a lady on fire. Um, oh, I watched yeah. that at TIFF last year and fell in love with it. I'm so, it's just absolutely amazing. Um, and I also love uh, the actually LGBTQ films are having a moment because that film is amazing. Call Me By Your Name, Moonlight. Yeah. There's just so many great films that have just blown me away in that category. And then going back to like one of the OGs that broke back mountain is just that's also yeah. one of my favorites. Um, if I need a good cry, watch that. <laughs> I know. Yes, that always gets me. Well, your husband, Carlos, sometimes takes part in your posts. I was going to ask you, how do his tastes differ from yours? And is there anything besides Ocean's Eleven that you've inspired each other to check out or rewatch? Oh, yes, we have. So he so he watches a lot of films that I hadn't seen. Like he's he's more familiar with um, films from like the 70s, 80s and early 90s, where I am more familiar with films from like the 60s and earlier. So okay. we've introduced each other to a lot of films. He um, he he calls it he made me watch it. And it's a <laughs> small series I did on my blog out of the past. Um, he introduced me to like The Hustler because um, that's one of his favorite films. And we watched a lot of felt like I watched Star Wars for the first time with him, um, with his encouragement. Like we went to go see it um, at the uh, Boston Symphony um, Hall and we saw it with the Boston Pops Orchestra playing um, oh, wow. music accompaniment. And that was that was really amazing. So he's introduced me to a lot of things, and I've introduced him 
to um, a lot of movies. He's like now, like he's a total convert over to like Robert Mitchum. I've shown him so many Robert Mitchum movies and he thinks he's so cool. So that's been really great. We compliment each other and then we challenge each other to watch things that are kind of out of our comfort zone. Like he's, he got me started on the Mad Max movies. So now I've seen the first two. So I'm working my way through the series. So that's fun. Have you seen Fury Road? No, no, I have. Oh. I want to watch the third one first before I get yeah. to that one. Because that's the fourth one, technically, right? I believe so. Yeah, yeah, that one's incredible. I can't wait to hear what you think of it. I know. And I wanted to watch that. And he's like, no, let's just make it a challenge to watch <laughs> all four films. I'm like, okay, I'm down with that. Yeah. Well, what have you been watching lately? Is there anything you'd like to recommend? Um, so I've been watching a lot of fun stuff for my research. Um, there's this one project I worked on recently that's now near and dear to my heart. It's, um, a very obscure film from the seventies called the crazy world of Julius Bruder. I had never heard of it until my editor at Turner classic movies assigned it to me. And basically, um, when I'm assigned a movie from them, I usually write what's, what's essentially the biography of the movie. And this is like a really kind of cute, quirky movie from from mid-70s. It's directed by Arthur Hiller, who known for Love Story. Um, and it stars um, Timothy Bottoms and Barbara Hershey. And at the time, she went by Barbara Siegel, which I thought was a curious choice of a name. <laughs> um, so this movie, oh my goodness, when I went to go research it, I could find hardly anything. I couldn't even find a trailer or a clip online. Um, I ended up getting a screener from TCM. They cut me one so I could watch it. And I couldn't, I had such a struggle finding information on this film. It was, it was like one of those um, research challenges that I kind of thrive on. I love it when I, when I love, I hate it when I find too much information, but I love it when I can hardly find anything and I really have to dig. <laughs> So um, for anyone who doesn't know this movie, which is probably everybody, it's like this cute, it's kind of this quirky movie about this um, Vietnam vet who is um, at this, who's staying at the psychiatric ward of this veterans hospital in LA. And he's not really crazy, but he kind of is. And he builds this little hutch outside, call it a hooch. Um, He builds this kind of like underground cave um, on the campus where he hides out and it's about his adventures. He's, he falls in love with his nurse. His friends are all fellow vets and they're all dealing with the aftermath of, um, you know, their war experiences together. This was before, you know, PTSD had a proper term. Um, and so in my research of the film, I ended up finding the screenwriter and I contacted him and he was the sweetest guy. His name's Daryl Henry. And he was willing to, like, um, you know, answer some of my questions. He sent me some behind-the-scenes photos from the film. And I had to say, this just, like, filled me with joy. And I'm just so glad. I hope this movie gets a DVD release one day. Um, But that's just an example of something I've been working on recently that really just made me very happy because at first I was so daunted by it. And then afterwards I was like, this is the most amazing thing ever. I'm so glad I was assigned this project. Um, Wow. I got to see that one. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. I hope like besides the one time TCM showed it, it's pretty much not available anywhere. It was just like, (laughs) I know really, really um, strange one to find. But um, basically what I've been watching lately is films for research, but I try to, 
I try to also mix that up with films that I have no intention of reviewing, just ones that I'm just going to watch for enjoyment or watch for, um, watch for the building up my knowledge, but not, not actually, um, you know, sitting down to take notes or write just yeah. to experience film. I think that's very important. And one fun project that I started, um, is, you know, those criterion collection closet videos. Oh, I love those. Those are so great. Right. Yes. Um, so I love watching those and I love hearing when they, not all of them have the person actually stopping to explain why they love each film. Sometimes they're just grabbing them from the, the shelves, but when they actually stop to discuss, even for like a, like a, like a half a, half a minute or something to, yeah. to say why they love the movie, that really makes me want to watch the movie. So I, I, what I've been doing is I take one closet video and then I try to watch everything that person recommended um, that I haven't seen yet. So oh. I actually did that with Alicia Malone's video. So she recommended Breaker Morant, Walkabout, um, Eraserhead, which I, 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 all these films I found on the Criterion channel and watched them all. The Kiru, <laughs> Lady Snowblood, which is my favorite of the ones that she recommended. I was just blown away by that movie. <laughs> Um, I even think that's better than Kill Bill. Um, and it's then an Weekend, movie. the Jean-Luc yeah. Godard crazy dystopian oh, bananas. Yes. <laughs> film. <laughs> um, so I, I made it a point to just like, I made a list, I took some notes, and I made it a point to watch every single film she recommended. And I had so much fun doing that that I might, I, I actually made a list for Barry Jenkins' video. So that'll be my next project. <laughs> Yeah, it's always interesting to see what moves people. I remember yeah. being very surprised by, I believe it was Kim Cattrall, her oh, video. Yeah. yeah, she would stop and kind of tell stories about why a film touched her. And Isabelle Huppert, like, talking about a movie that moved her when she was younger. And it's just really sweet. I love it when they do that. I mean, I would be tempted to probably just go in there and start grabbing off the shelves. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with like no thought, but it's really cool when that happens. I love it. Yeah, those are so inspiring. So that's been like a fun, a fun project. And I highly recommend people steal my idea and do that too. Because I feel like in a way you're getting some, another film expert's education. Like, yeah. They're kind of, te they're kind of giving you a syllabus, basically. They really are. That's a great way to look at it. Well, let's say that TCM asked you to program an entire evening block of titles. So which star or filmmaker or theme do you think you'd want to choose and what would you show? You know, I'm, get, I'm really fascinated by LGBTQ films and I've been discovering some early classics that I think would make for a really great night that they could do in um, for Pride Month, which they have. They did something for Pride Month where they had um, they had LGBTQ critics pick some of their favorites. Uh -huh. um, but I would do a whole programming block for some like early classics, like um, um, a couple discoveries of mine. Like I had watched the original Victor and Victoria, which was absolutely amazing i really yes. love that um this german film mad chen in uniform which is considered what the first lesbian feature film i would program that then there's um 
And that one is directed by a woman, written by a woman. The entire cast is pretty much women. And there's another one, um, Olivia, which is a French film kind of similar to that. They're both, they both take place in um, um, all girls schools. And that one is also written by a woman, directed by a woman, all women cast. Um, Maybe it would be um, female focused LGBTQ films. That could be really cool. That would but, be interesting, yeah. I mean, there's not that many, so it would be very specific, but I think that would be that would be really fun. Or I would, if if it wasn't for that, I'd pick one of my favorite actors. Like, um, actually, I mean, I, I've mentioned Robert Mitchum, but I have to say I'm really also in love with Akeem Tamirov, who, who had this crazy good career, um, and he was a fantastic character actor, uh, even like Orson Welles said he's one of the best. Um and he's never had, like, Star of the Month because he wasn't, like, a lead actor. He was usually a supporting player. But yeah. I would totally give him um, a day in Summer Under the Stars, just devoted to Akeem Tamirov. That would be amazing. <laughs> Very cool. Do you know which ones you'd want to show? Oh, I definitely want to show my favorite of his, which is... Um, Ocean's Eleven. He's got such great lines in that. He's just so <laughs> fabulous. And then there's that, I'm trying to remember, um, the the um, Jean-Luc Godard film that he was in, um, the science fiction movie, which the name always is escapes Alphaville? me. Alphaville? Yes, Alphaville. Oh, okay. He's in that. that yeah. I would show that. Or maybe The Trial. The Reluctant Saint. He's in that. I love that movie. That's totally underrated. There's so many. You can, I mean, he started in like the 30s and then he worked all the way up until the late 60s. So you could have like a good, like wide breadth of like different styles of movies. Yeah, it sounds like it. I would love to see that because, I mean, it's always cool to see your favorites in Star of the Month Mm -hmm. or Summer Under the Stars, but it would be really interesting to have some more of these sort of slightly more obscure character actors get the love they deserve for once. I mean, whenever they have Summer Under the Stars, I always find the actors I'm not familiar with and I try to watch theirs. Like, I'm not... I mean, I've watched plenty of Betty Davis movies, you know, I've watched plenty of Humphrey Bogart movies, but I want to watch films... I want to watch Akeem Tamirov Day. I think that would be fantastic. I would totally program that. (laughs) Yes. Well, they better give you a call. (laughs) Well, I want to thank you so much, Raquel. This has been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. This is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com or FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen and Friends.